Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Brighton 2, Arsenal 4, the game where we tend to struggle, home or away, there's just something about Brighton and even in this game, uh, in the final 20 minutes, you could see that uh, once more, it is that Arsenal tend to struggle with uh, certain parts of the game. So not just Brighton, but there's just always something that happens in an Arsenal game that just makes you wonder sometimes. There are games where we really control the game for long periods. But uh, it's normal. A football game, you can't dominate every single second of the game. And your levels does drop at certain times. And then you can also look at the fact that there's a load of games taking place uh, every three or four days. Uh, so you kind of need to play within yourself. And Arsenal obviously haven't got the squad to be able to cope with all these games. So all these factors comes into play when you analyze Arsenal's 90 or 95 minute performance. But uh, absolutely exceptional display from Arsenal for 70 minutes of the game. You could argue the substitutions that Arteta made was maybe mostly to do with the reason why we tended to drop a little bit deeper in the second half. And uh, we conceded a load of opportunities to Brighton. And just another thing that I want to mention, I have mentioned during my World Cup podcasts, the Japanese attacker Mitoma who I really, really rate. And he was absolutely fantastic. When Tomiyasu came on in the second half, he ripped him to pieces. And Mitoma was basically the player that created all the havoc. But a very fast start from Arsenal. We had the situation where uh, there was a couple of opportunities in the first a couple of seconds before uh, we ended up getting the goal. A fantastic steal from Thomas Partey as Brighton tried to break after we had our initial chance and then obviously a fantastic finish for us to go one or up. Uh, obviously, uh, you could have a look at the deflections that uh, took place before Saka actually scored, but amazing control and one all to Arsenal. Uh, the game flowed, uh, ebbed and flowed a bit. Uh, Brighton had one or two minor opportunities. I wouldn't say that it was really threatening, uh, more so in the second half, but... Uh, one thing that I did like was the control of the game that we had with Zinchenko at left-back. And it's quite noticeable in the two games, Brighton and Newcastle. Uh, less so in the Newcastle game because I felt that he gave the ball away a bit. But I'll get to the Newcastle game soon. But uh, I thought that he was fantastic in the way he controlled from left-back. Obviously, when Zinchenko plays, there's quite a lot of opportunities for Xhaka to move a little bit forward, uh, closer to Martinelli and uh, our central striker, which in this case is now Nketiah. And obviously, when uh, we try and build up play, then it's uh, Zinchenko that's quite high up the field, more in the position where Xhaka would play. So I was very impressed with the Zinchenko performance and obviously Odegaard once again was fantastic man of the match in this game uh, I thought we were fantastic uh, all four of our front four players so our right eight 
right winger, left winger and central striker all scored in this game. And uh, the only concern would have been that final 20 minutes where Arteta made a couple of changes. It was actually maybe 20, 25 minutes uh, of the game where we seem to... Uh, again, it's understandable. We were 3-0 up. It's understandable that we dropped back a little bit. We tried to conserve a little bit of energy. And it just seemed like it was in that stage, especially with the changes, where there was a lack of control. You could argue uh, maybe Thomas Partey became a little bit more tired. And uh, at that stage, when we made the changes with uh, both fullbacks going off, uh, that's maybe where things started to change from a controlling perspective. And then obviously, Brighton started playing a little bit more and they became a little bit more bright, as, <laughs> as they say. And uh, Mitoma created a little bit of havoc uh, for Arsenal, as well as one or two of the substitutes that came on. Uh, our starting team for this game, uh, Ramsdale in goal. Ben White at right back, Zinchenko, who I thought would be the only change uh, coming in for Tierney. Right centre back, Saliba as per normal. Left centre back, Gabriel Magalhaes. Our six, Thomas Partey. Left eight, Xhaka. Right eight slash ten, Odegaard captain. And then the front three, obviously the same as well. So uh, an unchanged team from West Ham other than... Zinchenko coming in for Tierney and it was that control from Zinchenko that was prevalent for most of the game and that is basically where you could say we conducted most of our play and then obviously in between the lines you've got Odegaard that's really looking good and then obviously the front four looked threatening throughout the game all sorts of trouble they created the, uh, for the fullbacks of Brighton and it's normally the fullbacks of Brighton that uh, that's normally good uh, I thought uh, Lamptey had a good game up against uh, Martinelli but uh, Martinelli was excellent again uh, more so coming towards the Newcastle game where I felt that we had a little bit of struggles but uh, excellent 4-2 win for Arsenal once again final 20 to 25 minutes you have to make changes so I can't blame Arteta it's just that for some reason uh, it's just there was no flow to our game and obviously we sat a little bit deeper maybe try to conserve a bit of energy because we have Newcastle United a couple of days later and that is all reasons as to why Brighton was a little bit more back into the game Mitoma obviously offside I think for the second goal and then they had an opportunity no sorry he wasn't offside for the second goal they scored their second goal but the third goal was then called offside uh, so we were a little bit lucky in that sense because at that stage it could have been 4-3 and then uh, with still about three minutes to go and anything can go wrong so the mentality is still strong from Arsenal there is definitely a shift in change of mentality it's just a little bit of uh, things that crept into the game in the second half final 20 to 25 minutes I don't want to get into referees yet and I don't want to get into the weather conditions which has some part to play especially in the two games wind rain but uh, it's the same for both teams and uh, you could argue that the goals that we scored in the Brighton game had something to do with the weather but uh, that's not an excuse for any of the sides so uh, Arsenal then obviously uh, waited to see that uh, Manchester City ended up drawing against Everton. So we were eight points clear. And 
after the Everton game. So Everton obviously drawing with Manchester City, a very weird game where once again Manchester City dominating most of the play, but they do still have little bits of issues on uh, the counter-attack. And Damari Gray scored a fantastic uh, equaliser and then obviously Man City huffed and puffed and they couldn't get that second goal. So at that stage, Arsenal were seven points clear, not eight points, because I'm thinking a little bit ahead after our Newcastle result. Uh, this recording is pre-Manchester City going to Stamford Bridge tonight, so hopefully they can get a result there. But seven points clear, Arsenal top at the beginning of New Year. Happy New Year, Arsenal and Arsenal fans. Prize time on the Gunning Truth in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club. And uh, question of the week will basically be, what do you think Arsenal needs to do in the upcoming January transfer window? What you can do is, you can wait for the link on the Arsenal Cape Town Facebook page and start commenting on there. Let me know what are your thoughts for this upcoming transfer window. It's going to be a huge transfer window. It's going to be the difference between possibly first, second, or possibly even the top four, even though we're looking good. The prize is a Pirates meal voucher at the Gunners Pub at Pirates. You can collect your voucher at the pub. You have till the end of January to collect your prize. Please contact Warren via email to find out more with regards to the, to the collection of the prize. His email is warren.fanscoer at gmail.com. I'll post that link in the description of the podcast. But let's interact. Let's discuss what Arsenal needs to do in this January transfer window. And you can win a prize, provided you can get to the Gunners pub, the Pirates pub, up the Arsenal. The referee offer any opinion to you as to why not afterwards? I'm not talking. I'm talking about what I've seen now, and it's two scandalous penalties. So, what's your thought process on why VAR didn't give it then? I don't know. But I'm so proud of the work that we've done to see a team that plays the way we play today again. Do you think it was a case? Do you think you had enough chances? to win the game and you didn't take those chances or do you have to give Newcastle credit for the way they kept you at bay? I think we generated a lot of situations, a lot of superiority in the game but we liked the fact that we needed an extra touch, an extra pass, an extra movement um, to get clear chances. Arsenal 0, Newcastle United 0 at the Emirates Stadium. First game of the new year and uh, most of the comments regarding this game from Social media, Arsenal fans around the world are that of frustration. We were very happy with the way the team played. You could argue in the final third there was here and there things missing. However, you have to give credit to Newcastle United. First of all, you have to say that they defended well. And then there's some certain things when it comes to the dark arts of football which they beat us by. So if there's anything that they beat us by in this game, it's the dark arts of football. Every five seconds a player went down holding his head when he's been kicked on his ankle or holding his ankle when he has been barged down or not really barged down when the wind blew 
and a Newcastle United player was on the floor. So they obviously had to find ways uh, to stop our rhythm. We started really well, five shots in the first seven minutes, and it was key, especially in this game, to get that first goal. And when we didn't get it, it was mostly huff and puff, and uh, our best chances was in the final five minutes. Even though we came out in the second half, looked quite strong. Uh, uh, had two opportunities, I think, just after the start of the second half and then uh, Newcastle United broke and had one or two uh, minor opportunities but it was more in the final bits of the game where there was two penalty appeals now in my opinion you could argue the second penalty which was in the 95th minute uh, it's the proximity rule and I think we also got away with one or two so far this season when it comes to the proximity rule uh, I don't know I must look again at the difference between that and the Gabriel situation against Liverpool. I think it's similar with regards to proximity and it's a rule that changed this season. I think in yesteryear it would have been a penalty. But the Gabriel shirt pull was at the very least definitely a penalty. And as Arteta said in the post-match press conference, scandalous. So it's possible Arsenal could have had two penalties, but it just seemed like it wasn't our day with regards to full three points. I wasn't really worried. Maybe you could say you were worried when Newcastle broke at times, uh, but you can't really complain. Uh, Arsenal were in total control of the game, but you have to give credit where the credit's due, and that is Newcastle defended well, and the dark arts, they did well with that as well. With regards to the starting lineup, Arsenal had the exact same team that started against Brighton. Uh, the only change was on the bench. Uh, so the change from the whole squad was uh, Cedric Suarez, who's possibly starting to finalise his deal with uh, Fulham. He was uh, not in the squad, so uh, Butler Odie, who's uh, from our under-21s, a very uh, good youngster, uh, that's actually been performing for the under-21s, that's currently top of the Premier League too, he was on the bench. And obviously it was prevalent with the result and the fact that we were struggling to score that we just didn't have something else off the bench. Uh, you could argue we had Marquinhos that could have come on. I don't think he's fully trusted at this moment. And normally that is when it comes to uh, the press that you had. Maybe uh, there was a concern that he would give the ball away. And they obviously on that side of the field had St. Maximin that came on. So if it is that Marquinhos had to play on the right it would have been tricky. I could maybe have seen us... Uh, it would have been tough. I would have maybe taken Xhaka off, had uh, Xhaka off, Tierney on. I know Tomiyasu came on for Ben White, uh, very likely due to some sort of issue with Ben White in terms of being able to play 90 minutes at this moment in time at right back. I could be wrong. But I maybe tactically would have brought on uh, for Xhaka, taken Jacko off for Tierney, had Zinchenko play in midfield, maybe had a couple of crosses, I don't know, we've had a lot of situations where Tierney had crosses coming in and there was no one because uh, Nketiah is maybe not playing centrally so much in the, in the type of way that we play. I thought Nketiah had a good game, he tried his absolute best against monsters, absolute huge defenders that uh, Newcastle has and once again I come back to that where I do give them credit uh, I was a little bit concerned uh, because they seem to defend quite well. They are, they do have the best defense in the league at this moment. So uh, 
I could understand in most instances why it is that the game ended up being normal. But just back to my tactical thing, I would have had Zinchenko, because he was playing in midfield anyway, so Zinchenko, Partey, Tierney at left back, obviously Tomiyasu had to come on at right back, so they were obviously pushing up in any case, where Zinchenko was going more towards the middle of the field, so you could have had the overlapping situation with Tierney and Martinelli, and then... I don't know, possibly Vieira for Odegaard. And no, we have to keep our captain on in these type of games. Uh, so if you had Vieira for Odegaard, then uh, you could have had a situation where Vieira goes wide right, tries to create from there, and uh, Saka coming through the middle. I don't know, it's, it's tricky to say. You could have had a situation where you could have uh, Ketia go off, bring on uh, Marquinhos and then Martinelli through the middle, Marquinhos on the right, Saka on the left. It's very tricky because of the way that uh, Joe Linton especially doubled up and Almiron doubled up on the other side. So it was very tricky for our uh, wide forwards to get into the game and it would have been tricky for Marquinhos to do anything and also note that Vieira might still be struggling with the physical side of things and it was a very physical team that Newcastle had. But uh, I saw some sorts of comments on YouTube where someone made a very good point. The third best team in England came to the Emirates Stadium to come and defend and are only there for the point. They didn't really attack us. Uh, to some extent, you could say that Arsenal would have enjoyed the fact that they attacked us. There would have been more space for us to go into, especially with Almiron and Joe Linton playing deep and helping out their fullbacks. However, on the other side, it's a compliment to Arsenal and the way that we are playing, that this is the type of tactics, albeit it was really annoying, it was frustrating, and the fact that the, the, the minutes weren't really added on at the end, especially when Newcastle got tired and they had to maybe play 10 minutes of added on time. I think it was at least 10 minutes that they should have added on. If you go back to how the World Cup were, uh, where minutes was added on in the World Cup. So at least should have been 10 minutes. But then again, you could have argued that that was opportunity for Newcastle to get goals on the counter because Arsenal was pushing up. But uh, I'll take the point. Arsenal eight points clear with uh, Manchester City having to play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge tonight on Thursday the 5th of January 2023. That's quite weird still. Not really into the new year yet. Uh, weird that it's 2023 already but I'm confident that uh, we will learn from this it will obviously be a, a monster of a game and Newcastle will come out to attack a bit more at St James's Park I think we're playing them the back end of the running so hopefully we are where we need to be when we do go to St James's Park and we can attack them hopefully there's more space for us to attack we can continue to defend better and beat Newcastle at St James's Park so Arsenal no Newcastle nil, Arsenal eight points clear at the top of the league. The January transfer window is open. We are five days into January and hopefully Arsenal can get some things done, especially after the Newcastle United result where it seemed like we lacked uh, anything off the bench. You could argue Marquinhos and Vieira could have come on to change the game but it was a very physical game and they are not really physic physical physically statured players if I can call it that maybe to some extent Marquinhos who's pl not played a lot but uh, it just it was a clear issue the fact that Emil Smith-Rowe is injured Nelson is injured 
and Jesus is injured, there's three key attacking players that could have come and make a difference in the game uh, against Newcastle, but unfortunately they are injured at this moment in time, and we are clearly in for Mikhailo Mudrik, uh, the Shakhtar Donetsk left winger, who can also play right winger and as a second striker. But uh, once again, this is a very difficult deal, and when it's a difficult deal, Arsenal do tend to struggle to get it done early. They do sometimes get these tough deals done. Uh, sometimes it's victims of circumstance, especially the Jesus deal, where obviously he was in his final six months of his contract, wanted a new challenge, and then obviously we paid quite a bit of money for someone in the final six months of the contract. And then, yeah, so this Mudrik deal, we've got situations where uh, uh, news aggregators on social media and big journalists are now being told that Chelsea wants to hijack the deal, even though I think Chelsea is busy with other deals at this moment in time. So I don't think that's quite true. Uh, maybe it's true that through intermediaries, they're just trying, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk especially, are trying to get Arsenal to raise the price. And it seems like it's very easy, just like it was with Rafinha in the summer transfer window. It's very easy for, and also Jesus to Chelsea was also uh, something that could have taken place. I don't think it would have taken place or could have taken place because at the end of the day, just once again, aggregators or journalists uh, trying to put out information into the outer spheres of Twitter or whichever social media uh, content that uh, Chelsea are trying to hijack Arsenal deals, which is quite strange. But um, I think it will get done. It's just a matter of Shakhtar Donetsk trying to get the most out of their asset. They are still in the Champions League and uh, they are fighting to uh, win their local domestic competition, which only continues in March again due to uh, the, the winter break that they normally have. I think their last game was November. So, yeah, it's a difficult deal to get done. We all would love it to be done as soon as possible. We know that Mudrik has been uh, all over social media admiring Arsenal, but uh, it's a difficult deal and... It's looking likely that it's going to be 70 million plus euros, uh, which is very close to the Pepe situation. I think Pepe would end up being between 70 and 75 million pounds. So this is still slightly under the Pepe uh, Arsenal transfer record. And I'm pretty certain we are still paying off the final amounts on that Pepe deal. That deal isn't even completed in terms of all the installments. Installments FC. But I'm confident that we will get him. We still have the situation where there's still links to João Felix. Uh, João Felix wasn't involved in Atletico Madrid's uh, what the Copa del Rey game last night. He wasn't even on the bench. And he's not injured. And he was man of the match in the first La Liga game of the new year. And he scored in that game. So it just seems like something is happening on that side. He could play, obviously, on Saturday when they or Sunday. They play Barcelona on Sunday in La Liga. So it's possible that he could play. There's nothing that's going to happen. And in Arsenal's case, uh, we play Oxford United in the FA Cup on Monday. If I'm not mistaken, you need to have your players registered by Friday lunchtime in the UK, which is 2 o'clock South African time. So we are now around about 24 hours uh, before you can register a player to be able to play on Monday. 
So uh, I don't see anything happening in the next 24 hours. I'll be surprised if anything happens from any sort of deal that we do. But it's uh, clear for all to see because Emil Smith-Rowe, and there's rumors that he will start on Monday, because he's not actually uh, uh, having played yet, he's training, and they are hopeful that he will start if there's no issues in training today, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure if they train on Sunday, probably will. Uh, so we are hopeful that Emil Smith-Rowe will start on Monday. Uh, it sounded like Nelson is out for six weeks. Uh, he got injured in the Juventus friendly. So that means he will only be back in Feb. There's videos doing the rounds of Jesus out of the knee brace, uh, starting to do some strength work on the knee. Uh, leg extensions, there's videos of him doing some leg extensions. So obviously he's lost muscle in that leg. So there's quite a few things that still needs to take place in the final stages. Uh, we all expected three to four months. It's very likely that he will play within two months after the injury. Well, or th it probably is going to end up being three months if you look at it because he got injured during the World Cup group stages. Uh, and uh, obviously Arsenal caught that quite early. He had the surgery early and uh, he's out of the knee brace, not walking on crutches. Uh, I don't know if he's able to do lunges yet. I think he might have been doing semi-lunges in the video that I saw today. But uh, we do need options, even if we get uh, Jesus back earlier than expected. Because the window is open now. We've got important games against Tottenham and Man United. At the time of recording, Tottenham beat Crystal Palace away from home 4-0 yesterday. Uh, and they looked much better in attack. So, uh, and they obviously have a FA Cup game on Saturday, which they, I, I'm assuming they'll make changes. So, uh, there is some sort of form for them going into the North London derby. The North London derby where at their new stadium, they haven't even dropped a point to us. I think we've only scored one goal, a Lacazette goal, in three games. So... Big, big, big month for us, especially after the Newcastle United result. Uh, I'm okay with the result. I'm okay with the performance. It's just a matter of having that options off the bench. The Tielemont and Danilo links have also gone quiet. So uh, it doesn't seem like we are in for a central midfielder at this time. But you never know. The, I think the urgency is forward players. One or two forward players, uh, I don't know if it's going to be possible to get high-profile forward players so quickly in. However, hopefully one high-profile in, in the Mudrik links will happen before, uh, I think it should be lunchtime on Friday the 13th. Uh, good luck day, as they call it. So hopefully we can have Mudrik in the squad sometime this weekend, if it's possible, and having him have a full week of training prior to the 15th of January's North London derby because we need options off the bench. So I don't know exactly how much money we are off. Are we a lot of money off getting the deal done or is it just five to 10 million, which is still a lot of money, but uh, that is maybe what is needed to get the Mudrik deal done. And then hopefully we can get players in on loan if it, if it is that we don't want to commit to uh, long contracts on certain players that's maybe not performed. And that is the likes of Telemans. Well, Telemans will be free uh, next season. So I don't know if we are going to still go in for him. I don't know if uh, certain clubs are going to do pre 
uh, clubs in Europe uh, rather than the Premier League will do a pre-deal for him in January. Uh, there's been lots of rumours that there has already been agreements in place for a free deal, a Bosman deal to take place in the summer. So it's going to be interesting to see how Arsenal go about the midfield because there isn't strong links to a number six. The strongest link was more in the summer transfer window when uh, we were linked to Danilo. But maybe there is... If, it, if we were super serious about this player, we would have had him by now because it's a 20 to 25 million pound deal for Palmeiras in Brazil and they are currently not playing. Their season ended uh, prior to the World Cup. So it doesn't sound like that's a difficult deal to do. Uh, maybe we feel that with Sambi and El Nini, we've got enough cover in defensive midfield uh, areas, even though uh, we haven't really seen the defensive capabilities of Sambi Lokonga. So that's a little bit of a concern with regards to what is the plans for a midfield or a midfielder, especially in the sixth position. Uh, however, I do feel that Arsenal are very happy with El Nenny as backup to Thomas Partey. The problem is over a 5-10 game stretch if there's any issues with uh, Thomas Partey. But our starting lineup seems to be strong. Uh, obviously, there can be a situation where teams come with low blocks, two low blocks, and um, frustrate us by time wasting, which I will discuss in the Newcastle game. However, we do need options off the bench. Or we have to start trusting the likes of Sambi Lokonga, El Nini, if it is to shore up our midfield. And if it is that we are attacking, we can't be bringing on Tomiyasu. Even though I think Tomiyasu was brought on for Ben White because he was extremely tired, maybe there is some sort of uh, uh, cardio-respiratory issue with him because... Uh, uh, yeah, he's been taken off uh, a, a couple of times uh, in the last couple of months. So I don't know what's the situation there. Uh, if it is the amount of workload that he has to get through as a right back for Arsenal. But uh, we can't be in a situation where it's fullbacks that's being changed in games. We need to have attackers. ESR, hopefully, will come good on Monday. And then we do have good under-21 players as well. We've got Marquinhos, we've got Vieira different type of players, especially in certain aspects of games. But I think we need to get Mudrik done if we can. And then I don't know how serious the Felix links are. I still don't know. I think it's something, some player that Arteta would like, but uh, Arsenal are trying to be a little bit careful in the market. They don't want to make mistakes of the past, especially when paying loads of money on loan deals on players. It worked with Odegaard, and to some extent it worked with Ceballos, it didn't work with, uh, what's the guy's name that came from Barcelona? Forgot his name now, but the midfielder that got injured, was injured most of the time. And then uh, lots of money spent on William and Cedric also, you can say a lot of wages. He was, I think we did pay a nominal fee to get him from Southampton, but he was he's on quite high wages. That's why the Fulham deal is taking long to get done because they're discussing the possibilities of obligation to buy loans where Arsenal still have to fork out some money towards his uh, wages. So that's also a deal that's also maybe taking a bit of time to get done. But uh, we are really in a good space at this moment in time. Seven points clear of Man City. Sorry, eight points after the draw. And Man City is playing Chelsea tonight at Stamford Bridge. So we're hopeful there. I think Man City is actually going to win comfortably. 
but uh, if it is that they can drop points then worst case scenario we are back to five points clear which is what happened as we started back after the world cup so i'm hopeful that by the next time i have a podcast it's going to be to talk about mikhailo mudrik as an arsenal player up the arsenal So Arsenal's January continues next Monday. It's uh, the time of recording is Thursday the 5th, so it's going to be Monday the 9th, where we have our first FA Cup game for the year. The third round is here, and we go to Oxford City. Uh, Arsenal obviously have Tottenham and Man United, so the least busiest January for a while, but our league games are tough. We just came out of a stalemate with Newcastle United at home, and then we've got Tottenham and Man United still to come for the rest of this month our yellow card situation the first phase ends after the man united game because that will be our 19th league game uh, and uh, we've got Saka, jesus and Saliba all on four cards obviously jesus won't be there so his situation will be scrapped obviously if you get a 10 uh, 10 yellow cards then it's a two game ban and that is up till match day 32 but we do have the issue of uh, Saka uh, and uh, Saliba that can still be suspended for the Man United game if they get yellow cards in the Spurs game on the 15th of February. But uh, you can't really think about those type of things. And that's why it's important. Once again, the theme of the podcast is needing to get one or two attackers in because we are going to need them. We don't want to be in a situation where it's a tough game against Spurs. Um, maybe a draw or a win or a loss and uh, we have to go into a in-four Man United game without Saka and Saliba and not having gotten our business done yet so that is a bit of a concern but you have to take every game at a time and there are going to be periods where you haven't got your full team because of suspensions injuries we know we've got Jesus out at this moment in time so that means Nketiah has to play so just head, looking towards the Oxford game, my thoughts is, uh, well, first of all, ESR needs to start, and I feel our centre-backs needs a bit of a rest after some tough games and two tough games to come, uh, as well as Ben White needs to rest uh, and Zinchenko needs to rest, as looking ahead to those Tottenham and Man United games. So I've got Turner coming in at the back. He had an excellent World Cup, and hopefully he's good to go. Uh, I, will, I will have Rule Walters if he has been training with the first team at right back or Alabiusu. I, I, I can't quite get to the name of the under 21 right backs, but Rule Walters was involved in preseason and he looked quite good, looked physical. And then uh, Tommy Yasu and Holding. So, whereas Rule Walters could have played with Holding, I don't want to interrupt that too much uh, with inexperience. I'll rather have Rule Walters as our only inexperienced defender. Uh, Cedric will very likely have gone to Fulham by now. Otherwise, Cedric plays if he's uh, still at Arsenal. Uh, Tommy Yasuo and Holding will be the two centre-backs because I really want Saliba and Gabriel to rest for that North London derby. And then Tierney at left-back. So Tierney comes back in again. Midfield three of Elneny, Vieira and Sambi. They've had quite a few games in the Europa League, the one Carabao Cup game. So it's time that they uh, have some sort of partnership because they are needed in the second half of the season. 
doesn't look like any other midfielders are coming in no six or eight coming in so and we need to obviously have Thomas Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard resting one or two could possibly be on the bench and then my front three uh, and if you hear the starting lineup it's basically two under 21s Rule Walters at right back and then Kayon Edwards a under 21 striker up front with Smith Rowe and Marquinhos uh, being on the wings so uh, a lot of these players have played already other than Walters and Edwards from a Carabao Cup or Europa League perspective we do need to give Nketiah a rest so I don't know if it is that we don't play Edwards or we play maybe another youngster out wide and then uh, Smith Rowe as a false nine I don't know if that's something that we can do but uh, hopefully Arsenal can get the job done against Oxford and get another easy round four draw up the Arsenal